Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 525 for the 10th of ER in a regular year. So we've been talking about the idea of mirroring and specifically speaking of mirroring love. So we talked about mirror neurons and how there is a natural physiological thing that is at play that when a person performs a certain activity, if you are witnessing doing that activity, you will, your brain will imagine that you yourself are engaged in that activity. And when this comes to love, then if a person reflects love to you, if a person show, demonstrates love to you, there, it's only natural that you'll reflect love back to that person. And we talked about how this is true with any individual, regardless of who the person is, whether they are your equal or you know anybody. And then we talked about how much greater this phenomenon would be if the person who was reflecting the love to you was somebody much greater than you, like if it was like a celebrity or someone really famous or the way the ultra explains it, like a king. And imagine if you, on the other hand, were a, a bum who lived on the street, like just like this really lowly person. And imagine if the king were to show you love and were to come and take you from off the street and bring you into his palace, into his innermost chamber and hug you and kiss you and show you just a lot of affection, then obviously it's it's pretty easy to see that you would most likely feel a sense of love back towards that king. And today we're going to take this even the, to the next step and we're going to talk about the analog and we're going to get into what we're actually talking about here, which is God and how God is really this king and how God is actually much, much greater than any king we can we can fathom because God is really infinite and beyond our comprehension. And then what this is really leading up to is really to make us realize just this discrepancy and really ingrain it in our minds, like just like how this bum on the street, how grateful they would feel. Like you see these videos sometimes of you know people giving like a hundred dollar bill to a person, a homeless person on the street, and you see the gratitude and the shining and the glowing. It's like it's not even so much about the money, but it's just they feel so grateful and they feel so much love and gratitude to the person that gave them that money. So it's the same idea here, but to an infinite degree, because God obviously is way beyond just just a generous person or even a king, he's much more infinite than that. So today we're really going to focus on this infinity of God, the infinitude of who God is. And it's it's interesting because it's kind of paradoxical because on the one hand, we're going to be really focusing on this infinitude of God. On the other hand, we're going to be saying and saying basically that it's beyond our comprehension. So it's like, we really do have to try to strive to understand it. And this is a big theme that comes up a lot in Chassidus and in Tanya, 
that it's our goal. This is actually the first, uh, the first halacha, the first halacha that uh, the Rambam brings down in his Yad HaChazaka is to know God. So we are required to know God. We are required to really study God and try to understand God. On the other hand, the more we learn about God and the more we try to understand God and the more we know God, the more we recognize how it's actually impossible to know Him. So it's this interesting paradox. So yeah, so let's get into the text today. So the Altar Rabbit begins, and he says that. All of these things that we've been describing and this imagery that we had in mind of, you know, the greatness of the king and uh, and the lowly bum on the street and all that. So this is all at play. Like when we imagine this, we imagine the emotions at play here with the king and with the bum. This is at play, but to a, a thousands of a thousands of a degree to an infinite degree, in fact, when, when it comes to God and when it comes to what God did to us. Uh, and we know that God, because God is not just a king, just a random king, but he actually fills all the worlds and he surrounds all the worlds. He's everywhere, God, and he's above everything. And it's known from the Zohar and from the Ariya HaKadosh, so in Kabbalah uh, uh, of blessed memory, the Ariya of uh, blessed memory, that the, about they talk about the infinitude of the chambers and the infinitude of the worlds to an infinite degree and and in every single world and in every single chamber there's an infinitude and there's thousands myriads and myriads of angels to an infinite degree again so again going back to that imagery of the king that we talked about where we talked about how the king has all these chambers and all these rooms and all these battalions and things like that so we're saying when it comes to god god has all that also but to an infinite degree it's like way 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 more than we could imagine with a physical king and now then the ultra here is going to bring up a question that comes up because he says that the gemara asks uh a question and this is from Hagiga page 13b where it says is there a number to his regiments like meaning to his angels and then the gemara answers and then the gemara asks a question on this and he says like okay so on the one hand we're saying that like you know, there, you, we can't count the number of ministering angels that God has. However, we see in scripture, and this is taken from Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, where it clearly says, Elef alfim So that translates to mean a thousand thousands minister unto him and ten thousands times 10,000 10, times 10,000 stand before him. So the Gemara is asking basically a question on this, that it's like, on the one hand, we talk about how God and his chambers are uncountable and they're infinite and everything. But then we see in Daniel, it seems like they're giving a very specific count to it. They're saying that there's thousand thousand minister ministers, and then there's 10,000 times 10,000 who stand before him. So what is this talking about? And is it, can we give a number to it or can we not? And so the Gemara explains that this whole idea of when we say a thousand thousands, this is the quota of one regiment. So this is the amount that is, this is the a number of ministers, the number of angels that are found in one regiment within God's legion, so to speak. So that's what that number means. Um, however, then when we talk about his regiments, says the Gemara, those are innumerable. Those are infinite. So basically, so for every regiment within God's legion, there are a thousand thousand angels. However, the number of actual regiments that there are 
are infinite. So basically, it's the Gemara concludes that truly, really within God, everything is really, really infinite. So it's like if you picture like a, you know, a physical king who has these different ministers and officers and chambers and all that kind of stuff, and they have a certain amount depending on how great they are. When it comes to God, these things are actually infinite. And there's an infinite number of ministering angels uh, within him. And not only that, but when it, in, in front of God, like in the face of God, all of these ministers, all of these ministering angels, all of these regiments are all nullified before him. And they're considered like not. And they're considered to be nullified as if like, um, just like how one speech is nullified in comparison to the person who is speaking and in comparison to the essence of that person, while the person has not yet spoken the words, and it's still in their thoughts, uh, or it's in their will or in the desire of the heart as we talked about before so if you go back to previous episodes we talked about this idea this and this is again a theme that comes up a lot in chassidus how speech is found first of all within a person before they actually speak the words so on a certain level like let's say before i actually speak the words of this podcast i'm formulating the words in my head i'm thinking about what it is that i want to say so there's a certain type of part of the speech that's inside of my thoughts and let's say even before I formulate the actual words, I'm just thinking about what it is that I want to say. And so the words exist in this like potential state within my being. And so at that moment, what is the status of those words? Do they have an existence of their own? No, those words that I'm about to speak are nullified in comparison to me. They're nullified within my thought. They're nullified within my being. And so this is the level of nullification that the ultra is explaining that these different battalions and these different regiments have before God. So it's like, so basically we've learned two things that first of all, God has an infinite number of ministering angels. He has an infinite number of chambers and worlds and battalions and all of these things and not only that these infinite number of things of of ministers that god has are all nullified to him like in the same way that our speech is nullified to our thought and to ourselves before we actually speak so it's sort of like this is a little bit of an interlude to where it's taking us again is to really make us take take us on this journey of coming to really recognize ourselves in comparison to God and recognize our relationship with God and recognize the fact that like as great as God is, he is paying attention to us. And just like we would appreciate anybody who pays attention to us, like if we have a friend who gives us a present, uh, then we're going to feel a sense of love towards that person. If they show us a demonstration of love, all the more so if we, if, uh, a if we were a bum on the street and somebody were to give us a hundred dollars and imagine if this person were a king and the king were to bring the bum on the street into his palace just imagine the gratitude that would shower forth and the love that would shower forth pour forth from this homeless person and so this is basically what is going on when it comes to god and his relationship with us and the love that he's showing to us and so the altar is really just trying to emphasize the greatness of God in comparison to us and how this relationship plays itself out to really help us in arousing our love towards him. And now the altar is going to go on and really take this, uh, take this discussion one step further and give us some visual image imagery to really describe the intensity of this connection, this relationship that's forged between us and God, uh, that exists between us and God, God, and that we can tap into through doing God's will uh, by using the imagery of kisses and hugs between a, a man and a woman. And tomorrow we're going to get into this a little bit more when we start talking about marriage and about the idea of, you know, why marriage is so sacred and how it's sort of like a 
parallel to our relationship with God. And so to illustrate all of this, the ultra brings a quote from Yeshayahu, chapter 6, verse 3, which talks about where it's describing the angels and it's describing how the angels are discussing God's glory. And the angels say to one another, they say, where is the place of God's glory? And the angels answer, the whole earth is filled with his glory. And so what is the whole earth filled with his glory? Like, how is it that God's glory is found here on earth? The ultra says, this is the Jewish people, that the Jewish people are God's glory. This is God's glory. So what does this mean? It means that God actually set aside all of the higher worlds and all of the lower worlds, like this whole retinue that we've been describing in the previous episode, he set aside all of that. And who did he choose? He specifically choose, chose the Jewish people. He specifically chose us to be his nation. And he took us out of Egypt, which was the lowest of the lowest place of the earth. It was called like the lewdness of the earth. It's described as uh, in, this is in Bracious, uh chapter 42, verse nine. It's described as that. It's a place of like total filth and impurity. And he took us out, not through an angel, and not through any shaliach, not through any emissary, but it was God himself that took us out of Egypt. And he came down into this place. He came down and the altar brings a verse from Shemot chapter 3, verse 8, where it says, which means, and I went down to rescue him. So God himself came down into the filth. It's like, again, the analogy of the king. Imagine if there was a a homeless person living literally in a garbage dump. And imagine if that king actually went into the garbage dump himself to take this guy out of the garbage dump. So God did this in order to bring him close to him. And in, in, a, tr in a great and true unity with a connection of souls, like a very soulful connection and an aspect of kissing a mouth to mouth kiss, like a kiss on the lips. And so what does that mean? So it's like, again, so this analogy, this is where we're coming into the analogy of a man and a woman. So it's saying that God wanted to connect with us in such a deep way that uh, he wanted to kiss us. So what does the kiss mean? So on a superficial level, a kiss is where the, the mouth touches the other mouth. And so when it comes to God, this is when we speak words of halacha. When, this is when we learn God's will, basically, like when we speak, the, when we're learning Torah on a very superficial level, on a basic level, um, and uh, this is, and and then what else happens when, when two people kiss? So yes, their mouths touch, that's on a superficial level, but there's also an exchange of breath, and this exchange of breath can be described as spirit. It's like the spirit, they exchange spirits. There's a connection of spirit to spirit, and in this case, when it comes to God, this is through our understanding of Torah and through our understanding of his will and his chokhmah, and which are all the same with God, because we've described previously, you know, that God is one with his wisdom and his will, so when we really not only just learn Torah on a superficial level, but when we really try to understand it, we're connecting our spirit with God's spirit, just like people connect breaths when they when they kiss. And then not only is there this aspect of kissing when it comes to God and his connection with us, there's also an act an, an aspect of a hug of a chibuk, it's called in Hebrew. And so what is that of the hugging? How does God hug us? This is through us keeping the the positive commandments that are the 248 positive commandments which are likened to the organs of the king so just like a physical king if he were to like come and like hug a person so that he's using his organs his his limbs to do this so the 248 
positive commandments are likened to the 248 organs or limbs of the king, as we talked about above. So you can go back and look at that. It's in chapter 23. We described how the 248 limbs of the king or the 248 commandments are likened to the king, the limbs or organs of God. And in a general aspect, then we also see that the, all of the commandments, the 248 positive commandments are divided into three different types that are uh, likened to, to the right side, the left side, and the middle, which is, what does that mean? The right side, left side, and middle. So if you've been following along in Tanya already, then, you know, the right side is usually associated with chesed, with kindness, giving. The left side is associated with deen, judgment. And the middle side is rachamim, the aspects of, of uh, compassion or mercy. So every single one of the 248 commandments tends towards one of these things. It tends to be more oriented towards kindness or giving, or more uh, severity or justice or more compassion. And why is it divided into three? This is likened to the two arms of a person and their body. So this is what makes up the hug. When a person hugs somebody, then they have two arms that hug the person and there's the body that's hugging them. So if you visualize a hug, you'll see that that's what's going on. So that's the end of the section for today. And tomorrow we're going to continue along these lines and we're going to explore this discussion further, getting into the relationship between a husband and a wife and why marriage is held to be so sacred in Judaism. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, Please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.